Chapter Two of Kept in the Dark. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Kept in the Dark by Anthony Trollope. Chapter Two. Sir Francis Geraldine. On that same afternoon, at about tea time. Sir Francis came up to the house. He had said that he would be there if he could get there, and he got there. He was shown into the drawing room, where was sitting Mrs. Holt with her daughter, and began to tell them that he was to leave the deanery on the following morning and not be back till a day or two before his marriage. Where are you going? Cecilia asked, meaning nothing, only gaining time till she should have determined how she should carry out her purpose. Well, if you must know, I am going to Goodwood. I had not thought of it, but some friends have reminded me that as these are to be the last days of my liberty, I may as well enjoy them. Your friends are very complacent to me, said Cecilia in a tone of voice which seemed to imply that she took it all in earnest. One's friends never do care a straw for the young lady on such an occasion. Said Sir Francis, they regard her as the conquering enemy and him as the conquered victim. And you desire a little relaxation from your fetters. Well, just a last flutter. All this had been said with such a mixture of indifferent badinage on his part and of serious anger on hers that Mrs. Holt, who saw it all and understood it, sat very uneasy in her chair. To tell the truth, continued he, all the instructions have been given to the lawyers, and I really do think that I had better be away during the making of the dresses and the baking of the cake. It has come to pass by this accident of my living at the deanery that we have already become almost tired of each other's company. You might speak for yourself, Sir Francis Geraldine. So I do, for to tell the truth, a man does get tired of this kind of thing quicker than a woman, and a man of forty much quicker than a woman of twenty. At any rate, I'm off tomorrow. There was something in the tone of all this which thoroughly confirmed her in her purpose. There should come an end to him of his thraldom. This should not be, by many, the last of his visits to Goodwood. He should never again have to complain of the trouble given to him by her company. She sat silent, turning it all over in her mind and struggling to think how she might best get her mother out of the room. She must do it instantly, now at once. She was perfectly resolved that he should not leave that house an engaged man, but she did not see her direct way to the commencement of the difficult conversation. Mrs. Holt, said Sir Francis, don't you think a little absence will be best for both of us before we begin the perilous voyage of matrimony together? I am sure I don't know, said poor Mrs. Holt. There can't be a doubt about it, continued the lover. I have become so stupid that I hardly know how to put one foot before the other, and Cecilia is so majestical that her dignity is growing to be almost tedious. Mama, said Cecilia, after a pause, as Sir Francis is going tomorrow, would you mind leaving us alone for a few minutes? There is something which I have to say to him. 
oh certainly my dear said mrs holt as she got up and left the room now had come the moment the difficult moment in which cecilia holt had to remodel for herself the course of her future life for the last month or two she had been the affianced bride of a baronet and of a man of fashion all exeter had known her as the future lady geraldine and more than that she had learned to regard herself as the owner of the man and of his future home her imagination had been active in drawing pictures for herself of the life she was to live pictures which for a time had been rosy-hued but whatever the tints may have been and how far the bright colours may have become dimmed it had been as lady geraldine and not as cecilia holt that she had looked in the glass which had shown to herself her future career now within the last four-and-twenty hours for the last crowning purpose of her resolution was hardly of longer date she had determined to alter it all but he as yet did not know it he still regarded her as his affianced bride now had come the moment in which the truth must be told to him as soon as her mother left the room she got up from her seat as did also her lover he as soon as the door was closed at once attempted to put his arm around the girl's waist as was his undoubted privilege she with the gentlest possible motion rejected his embrace and contrived to stand at a little distance from him but she said nothing the subject to be discussed was so difficult that words would not come to her assistance then he lent her his aid you do not mean that you are in a tiff because of what i said just now of course it is better that we should not be together for the few days before our marriage i do not think that i am in a tiff sir francis i hope i am not because what i have to say is too serious for ill-humour then she paused what i have got to say is of some importance of very great importance sir francis geraldine i feel that i have to ask you to forgive me what on earth is the matter you may as well ask and indeed i do not know how to excuse myself your friends will say that i am frivolous and vain and discontented what the mischief is it all about he demanded with an angry voice she knew she had not yet told him she could perceive that he had not gathered from her first words any inkling of the truth and yet she did not know how to tell him if it were once told she could she thought defend herself but the difficulty was to find the words by which she could let him know what was her intention sir francis i fear that we have misunderstood each other how misunderstood why sir francis am i to understand that you want to quarrel with me because i am going away if so speak it out i shall go just the same your going has no bearing upon my present purpose i had made up my mind before i had heard of your going only when i did hear of it it became necessary that i should tell you at once but you have told me nothing i hate mysteries and secrets and scenes there is nothing goes against the grain so much with me as tragedy airs if you have done anything amiss that it is necessary that i should know let me know it at once as he said this there came across his brow a look of anger and of hot ill-humour such as she had never seen there before the effect was to induce her to respect him rather than to be afraid of him 
it was well that a man should have the power and the courage to show his anger. But it encouraged her to proceed with her task. She certainly was not afraid of him personally, though she did dread what the world might say of her, and especially what might be said by his friends. "'I do not know that I have done anything amiss, of which I need tell you,' she said with quiet dignity. "'It is rather that which I intend to do. "'I fear, Sir Francis, that you and I have made a mistake in this.' "'What mistake?' he shouted. "'While you beat about the bush I shall never understand you.' "'In our proposed marriage.' "'What?' I fear that I should not make you happy. What on earth do you mean? Then he paused a moment before he continued, which he did as though he had discovered suddenly the whole secret. You have got another lover. There was something in the idea so shocking to Cecilia, so revolting, so vulgar in the mode of expression, that the feeling at once gave her the strength necessary to go on with her task. She would not condescend to answer the accusation, but at once told her story in plain language. "'I think, Sir Francis Geraldine, that you do not feel for me the regard that would make me happy as your wife. Do not interrupt me just at present,' she said, stopping him, as some exclamation was escaping from his lips. "'Hear me to the end, and, if you have aught to say, I will then hear you. Of my own regard for you I will say nothing.' but I think that I have been mistaken as to your nature. In fact, I feel sure that we are neither of us that which the other supposed. It is lamentable that we should have fallen into such an error, but it is well that even yet we can escape from it before it is too late. As my mind is altogether made up, I can only ask your pardon for what I have done to you, expressing myself sure at the same time that I am now best consulting your future happiness. During this last speech of Cecilia's, Sir Francis had sat down, while she still stood in her old place. He had seated himself on the sofa, assuming as it were a look of profound ease, and arranging the nails of one hand with the fingers of the other, as though he were completely indifferent to the words spoken to him. "'Have you done yet?' he said, as soon as she was silent. "'Yes, I have done.' and you are sure that if I begin you will not interrupt me till I have done? I think not, if there be aught that you have to say. Well, considering that ten minutes since I was engaged to make you Lady Geraldine, and that I am now supposed to be absolved from any such necessity, I presume you will think it expedient that I should say something. I suppose that I have not been told the whole truth. Then he stopped as though, in spite of his injunction as to her silence, he expected an answer from her. But she made none, though there came a cloud of anger upon her face. "'I suppose, I say, that there is something of which it is not considered necessary that I should be informed. There must be something of the kind, or you would hardly abandon prospects which a few days since appeared to you to be so desirable. I have not thought it necessary to speak of your temper.' she said. "'Nor of your own?' "'Nor of my own,' she added. "'But there is, I take it, something beyond that. I do not think that my temper, bad as it may be, nor your own, would have sufficed to estrange you, 
there must be something more palpable than temper to have occasioned it and though you have not thought fit to tell me you must feel that my position justifies me in asking have you another lover no she exclaimed burning with wrath but with head so turned from him that he should not see her nor have ever had one i am entitled to ask the question though perhaps i should have asked it before you are at any rate not entitled to ask it now sir francis geraldine between you and me all is over i can only beg you to understand most positively that all is over my dear miss holt you need not insist upon that as it is perfectly understood then there need be no further words if i have done you any wrong i ask your pardon you have wronged me only in your thoughts i must take what consolation i can from the feeling that the injury will fall chiefly upon my head and not upon yours then without a further word of farewell she marched out of the room sir francis when he found himself alone shook himself as it were as he rose from the sofa and looked about the room in amazement it was quite true that she was gone gone as far as he was concerned forever it did not occur to him for a moment that there could be any reconciliation between them and his first feeling undoubtedly was one of amazed disappointment then standing there in mrs holt's drawing-room he began to bethink himself what could have been the cause of it since the first week of his engagement he had begun and had continued to tell himself what great things he was about to do for cecilia holt with her beauty her grace her dignity and her accomplishments he was quite satisfied it was expedient that he should marry and he did not know that he could marry much better cecilia when her mother died would have twenty thousand pounds and that in his eyes had been sufficient but he was about to make her lady geraldine and the more that he thought of this the more grateful it had appeared to him that she should be to him then by degrees while he had expected from her expressions of gratitude she had rebelled against him of the meaning of this he had not been quite conscious but had nevertheless felt it necessary that he should dominate her spirit up to the moment in which this interview had begun he had thought that he was learning to do so she had not dared to ask him questions which would have been so natural or to demand from him services to which she was entitled it was thus that he regarded her conduct but he had never feared for a moment but that he was on the road to success up to the moment at which he had entered the room he had thought that he was progressing favourably his cecilia was becoming tame in his hands as was necessary he had then been altogether taken aback and surprised by her statement to him and could not for some moments get over his feeling of amazement at last he uttered a low whistle and then walked slowly out of the house at the front door he found his horse and mounting it rode back to exeter as he did so he began to inquire of himself whether this step which the girl had determined to take was really a misfortune to him or the reverse he had hardly as yet asked himself any such question since the day on which he had first become engaged to her he had long thought of marrying and one girl after another had been rejected by him as he had passed them in review through his thoughts then had come cecilia's turn and she had seemed to answer the purpose there had been about her an especial dignity which had suited his reviews of matrimonial life 
she was a young woman as to whom all his friends would say that he had done well in marrying her but by degrees there had come upon him a feeling of the general encumbrance of a wife would she not interfere with him would she not wish to hinder him when he chose to lead a bachelor's life newmarket for instance and his london clubs and his fishing in norway would she not endeavour to set her foot upon them would it not be well that he should teach her that she would not be allowed to interfere he had therefore begun to teach her and this had come of it it had been quite unexpected but still he felt as though he were released from a burden he had accused her of having had another lover at the moment an idea had passed through his mind that she was suddenly prompted by her conscience to tell him something that she had hitherto concealed there had been some lover probably as to whom every one had been silent to him he was a jealous man and for a moment he had been hurt he would have said that his heart had been hurt there was but little of heart in it for it may be doubted whether he had ever loved her but there was something pricked him which filled him for the instant with serious thoughts when he had asked the question he wished to see her at his feet there had come no answer and he told himself that he was justified in thinking the surmise to be true he was justified to himself but only for the moment for at the next had come her declaration that all was to be over between them the idea of the lover became buried under the ruins which were thus made so she intended to escape from him but he also would escape from her after all what an infinite trouble would a wife be to him especially a wife of whose docility in harness he was not quite assured but there came upon him as he rode home an idea that the world would say that he had been jilted of course he would have been jilted but there would be nothing in that except as the world might speak of it it was gall to him to have to think that the world of exeter would believe that cecilia holt had changed her mind and had sent him about his business if the world of exeter would say that he had ill-used the girl and had broken off the engagement for mere fancy as she had done that would be much more endurable he could not say that such was the case to so palpable a lie the contradiction would be easy and disgraceful but could he not so tell the story as to leave a doubt on the minds of the people that question of another lover had not been contradicted thinking of it again as he rode home he began to feel that the lover must be true and that her conduct in breaking off the engagement had been the consequence there had been some complication in the way of which she had been unable to rid herself at any rate it was quite out of the question that he should have held himself to such an engagement complicated as it would have been with such a lover there would be some truth therefore in so telling a story as to leave the matter in doubt and in doubt he resolved that he would leave it before he got back to the deanery he was he thought thoroughly glad that he should have been enabled so easily to slip his neck out of the collar End of chapter 2